Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. I want to get into an article that I wrote that will be up on uh, Alternet and possibly uh, other sites. My working title for it, as you may know, authors don't control their titles. So I have a book titled The Crash of 2016 that I thought should be titled How Republicans Cause Crashes. I was right. The publisher was right, <laughs> but whatever. Anyhow, my working title for this piece was, if we don't stop voter suppression, start polishing your chains. And I'll just, you know, I'll give you the punchline first or the chains piece. This is, you know, at the very end of the article, I talk about how the founders and framers had their own voter suppression program. It was don't let women vote, don't let African-Americans vote. Although there were in a number of Northern states, during the first 20 years after the Revolutionary War in the early years of America, there were women who voted. There were free blacks who voted. There were poor people who voted. There were no property requirements in some states. I mean, but gradually all that kind of went away as the Andrew Jacksonization of America happened. But the uh, final quote was Thomas Jefferson. And basically what he said, he said, it seems to, and this is a, a letter to Edward Carrington. He says, it seems to me that to be a law of our general nature in spite of individual exceptions. And experience declares that man is the only animal that devours his own kind, for I can apply no milder term to the governments of Europe and to the general prey of the rich on the poor. He said, I am not among those who fear the people. They and not the rich are our dependents for continued freedom. And then he ends this. He says, if we end up with an oligarch government that is run indirectly or directly by the rich, quote, America's working people must come to labor 16 hours in the 24, and the 16th being insufficient to afford us bread, we must live as they, the poor Europeans, now do on oatmeal and potatoes, having no time to think, no means of calling the mismanagers to account, but be glad to obtain subsistence by hiring ourselves out to rivet their chains on the necks of our fellow sufferers. Of course, a slaveholder would certainly understand that metaphor. But that's basically, I think, you know, pretty much where we are right now. The Republican Party no longer has any pretense of ideas. 
Uh, they're not talking about tax cuts anymore. In fact, there's a real interesting piece because I subscribe to the Financial Times. I get this newsletter. It's called Swamp Notes, and it's uh, edited by Reina Forohar. And it's titled Trump's Midterm Mistake. And she says most Americans don't believe the Trump tax cut has had any real effect on their personal finances. Even amongst white working class men, the Trump base, the percentage that would agree with that statement, you know, that Trump has helped the economy is less than half. She says, I think it's the end of trickle down as a mythology. Since 2008, there's been a growing awareness amongst the voting public that the economy can be getting better, but not better for them. And then she adds, the student debt crisis and spiraling health care costs that far outpace income growth are what's resonating most profoundly. And Democrats are focusing on those things, I mean, pretty aggressively. So back to my thesis here in the article that I wrote, basically, which is that the only, the only two things that Republicans are running on this, this time right now are fear and principally that fear is, you know, obviously fear of crime, they've always run on that, but also fear of the other explicit and overt racism, sexism, misogyny, and now even, you know, a fear of trans people and voter suppression. It's basically fear and voter suppression. You know, they used to talk about, hey, better schools, hospitals, airports, roads and bridges. Remember Trump talking about all this stuff during the campaign in 2016? Nah, that's all gone. They were going to replace the Affordable Care Act with something better and cheaper and covers everybody. And no, no, they're suing right now to end the Affordable Care Act. And Republicans are suing to allow health insurance companies to once again refuse to pay for your sickness if it has anything to do with a pre-existing condition. They literally have a lawsuit that's going to the Supreme Court, the Republicans, right now, signed on by Republicans all over the country. They no longer talk about more and better jobs. I mean, they're bragging about the fact that 10 years into the Obama recovery, things are doing well. But, you know, basically, it's all about race. Religion stands in for race, right? Muslim is brown Arab in GOP speak. Immigration stands in for race. Immigration means brown people from south of the border. Republicans across the country are even recruiting white supremacist and neo-Nazi gangs to threaten and assault Democrats and their supporters going after Nancy Pelosi over the weekend, beating up a bunch of people at a Republican event last Friday, while Trump is praising the criminal assault of reporters in the wake of Khashoggi's murder. And that's getting bizarre, by the way. So that's their message, basically, is be afraid, be afraid, right? This is, this is Nixonian. This is Roger Stone. This is Paul Manafort. Hey, keep in mind, Stone and Manafort owned a political consulting company called Stone Manafort and somebody else or Manafort Stone and somebody else. And they worked on Nixon's campaign and they worked on Reagan's campaign and they worked on Trump's campaign. So of, of course, right? But now that basically this is all they can run on, Republican secretaries of state across the nation, this is in 32 states, are aggressively suppressing the vote. Right? You know, what they found out is this very simple thing. You know, if people don't like what you have to sell, don't let them vote. Immediately, I mean, immediately, like literally the day after the five Republican appointees on the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013, immediately, 14 Republican-controlled states within the first week or two moved to pass laws that they had in waiting just in anticipation of the Supreme Court decision that would suppress the vote in those states. It's now up to over 30. 
In North Carolina, for example, 158 polling places, right after this decision in 2013, 158 polling places were permanently closed in the 40 counties that had the most African-Americans in that state, which led to a 16% decline in African-American early voting in the 2016 election. An MIT study found nationwide Hispanic voters wait 150% longer in line than do white people. Blacks, 200% longer in line. In Indiana, when Governor Pence got his rigorous new voter ID law, it caused, it caused an 11.5% drop in African-American voting in Indiana. Students are suing for their right to vote. Retired people who no longer drive but care passionately about Social Security are being turned away uh, from the polls by the tens of thousands because they no longer have active driver's licenses. Now, why is this? Right? Why is this? Well, the problem for the Republican Party has really deep roots. Back in the 1870s, when they were the party of Lincoln, we're going to bring freed slaves into the mainstream of America. Those were called the radical Republicans. You know, Thaddeus Stevens and his, and his compatriots. Well, by 1875, basically, they were toast. They were gone. And the Republican Party had just thrown in completely by the 1880s as the Industrial Revolution was taken over with the rail barons, the oil barons, the coal barons, the steel barons, the construction barons that Trump is an heir to. And the Democratic Party, meanwhile, I mean, even back in the 1880s, they threw in with working people. The peak of this, of course, was the New Deal in 33 and the Great Society in 67. But legislatively protecting unionization, passing, legislatively passing Social Security, passing Medicare, passing Medicaid, putting into law the minimum wage, putting into law unemployment insurance, creating federal and state agencies that would protect workers, that would protect safety, that would protect children, that would protect the environment. These were all things the Democrats did. And so the Republicans basically are nothing but the party of rich people, CEOs, and, and corporations. But there aren't enough rich people and corporations to get Republicans elected. So what do they do? Well, first of all, obviously they lie to us, and we'll get into that in more detail when we talk about the Murdochization of America. But, you know, consider in 1974, in 1970, not that long ago, right? In 1974, the Republican Party controlled seven states. Today they control 33. Seven states in 1974. Why was that? Because back then their message was, Vote for us and we'll help out the rich people and it'll trickle down to everybody else. And, you know, Americans weren't buying that stuff. That's why, from, you know, with the exception of the elections of 46 and 52, which were kind of flukes, from 1933 to 1996, the Republicans continuously, with the exception of those two Congresses, the Democrats continuously controlled the House of Representatives and controlled the Senate during most of that time. It's why Richard Nixon had to commit treason in 1968 to get election, you know, blowing up the, the peace talks in, with Saigon and, 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 uh, and Hanoi. It's why uh, Reagan had to commit treason, colluding with the Iranians, according to the president of Iran, to keep the hostages. Because these guys couldn't get, arre couldn't get elected. Hell, they couldn't get arrested. <laughs> uh, you know, with anything else. So it's all about voter suppression all the time. And now they're running these voter suppression programs in nearly 30 states. The question, when is America going to wake up? Damn good question. 
This is the Tom Hartman Program. And obviously, you know, what can we do about it? You know, the obvious answer is elect Democrats, I suppose. So back in 1980, as the Republicans were coming to the realization, just the explicit realization, and I would argue that this happened a little before that, probably in the mid-70s, maybe as a result of the Powell memo, even in 71. But, you know, by 10 years later, or by 1980 in the Reagan campaign, it was a full-blown strategy. Paul Weyrich, the guy who co-founded the Heritage Foundation and who was then uh, working to mobilize Christian voters for Ronald Reagan, uh, had this to say in Dallas, in a public church in Dallas. How many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome? Good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. See, there you go. I mean, you know, just very straightforward. So what'd they do in 2000? This was, 2000 was the, the rollout of a test, right? I mean, of a major test of this. Because when we look back, and the way we know this is because the exit polls. When you look back at the exit polls, exit polls in the United States from the 1940s, when they started doing this in a small way, the 1960s, they started doing it in a big way. But from the 1940s until 1998, the exit polls were always accurate. Exit polls in Europe are used to call elections. It takes two days for them to count the paper ballots. But they'll call the election on the night of the election because of the exit polls. They're rarely more than a tenth of a point off. I mean, you're literally asking people as they walk out of the poll, who did you vote for? And they're saying, oh, I voted for, you know, Al Gore. I voted for George W. Bush. And boom, you know. But suddenly in the 2000 election, the exit polls were off. And they were off substantially, not everywhere. They were only off in six or seven states, but they were off substantially. And by the 2004 election, the exit polls were showing discrepancies of as much as five points. Now, why would that be? Well, for years, a lot of us thought it was because the electronic voting machines were lying to us. And certainly there's problems with the electronic voting machines, but it looks like the electronic voting machines are actually probably relatively accurate. Obviously, you know, there's a big problem in Georgia. I'd say the 2002 or 2004 election was literally flipped upside down by voting machines in Georgia. But that's, you know, those kind of instances of fraud. But really what it was, was that people had been thrown off the voting rolls, didn't realize it. They were given provisional ballots as a result of the 2002 Help America Vote Act, which invented this thing called provisional ballots. And they thought they had voted when, in fact, their vote was never counted. And so you saw... You know, states like Florida, where the exit polls clearly said Al Gore won in Florida, statewide. And yet, somehow it was 50-50. Well, turns out, Jeb Bush and Catherine Harris threw between 50 and 90,000 African Americans off the voting rolls with this massive so-called felon purge using George W. Bush's felon list from Texas. George W. Bush's brother, Jeb Bush, in Florida took that Texas felon list and compared it with the voter registration rolls in Florida and found 50,000 people who had similar names, same first and last name, not, you know, forget about the middle initial, forget about the date of birth, just similar names. And, you know, most of the felons in Texas are black, and there's very common black names. So success, with a little help from the Supreme Court, voter suppression won the White House for the Republican Party in 2000. And they've been doing it ever since. It went from just a couple of states, from just this test in Florida. And the other test was, will the media notice this? I mean, the ACLU sued 
BBC did a report on it. Greg Palace report for the BBC. The whole world knew that Jeb Bush had stolen the election for George, but that was never reported in the United States. They got away with it. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. So the test was successful. Alec rolls out proposed model legislation for voter suppression, and it goes national. It's now in 30 states. BlindsGalore.com was the first place you could buy custom window treatments online, and because of that, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for over 20 years and have covered over 2 million windows and know exactly how to get you the right blinds at the right price. They make it easy. They made it easy for Louise and me to go in and order. It was a breeze. It will be for you, too. Blinds Galore's products are hand-built from scratch, delivered right to your door, and created just for your windows. Their expert team is happy to help you every step of the way, either online or over the phone. Plus, they have the industry's best guarantee. If you don't like your custom blinds or shades for any reason, wrong color, you measured wrong, you don't like the style, you can exchange it for another covering for free. Blinds Galore will even set you up with 15 free samples and free shipping on top of the free expertise. It doesn't get any better than that. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know we sent you. That's BlindsGalore.com. This uh, article that I wrote over the weekend, it will go up on, uh, presumably it'll go up on alternate uh, sometime today. If we don't stop voter suppression, start polishing your chains. The singular effort now of the Republican Party since, you know, this article from the Financial Times pointing out that American voters no longer believe the Republican orthodoxy of trickle-down economics. It's that myth has been, you know, uh, reality has set in. And so what do the Republicans have left? Hate and voter suppression. It's all about voter suppression. Steve in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, uh, Tom, uh, how you doing? Good. So, uh, America's most dangerous immigrants were Fred Trump and Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Those are the two people that should be. Amen. So uh, my question and comment was, you know, given the tactics and the extent that uh, Brian Kemp and Corkin are, 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 are undertaken in Kansas and Georgia, when does it become, given that they're, they're supervisor of elections, they're charged with the responsibility of keeping elections fair, when does this when when do their when do their actions become voter fraud in itself? When do we flip that definition and, and, and call their tactics voter fraud? Right. And, and and how can they be how can they be prosecuted? Well, what they're doing is actually election fraud. And we need to start calling it that. And if the Democrats had any kind of a coherent and cohesive message, they would be screaming from the rooftops about this. I mean, the Republicans, Frank Luntz sits around and says, oh, mob, that works really good. Mobs, you know, uh, Democrats do mobs. Republicans do jobs. Let's turn it into a bumper sticker. And suddenly the president says it 10 times over the course of a week. And Mitch McConnell's saying it. And Fox News is saying it in every segment. And it's like, boom. Uh, and, uh, you know, election fraud no, not so much on the Democratic side. And it really should be because it's the number one tactic of the Republicans. So I'm with you, Steve. I, I, you know, I don't know how to, how to get Democrats to say this. We can, we can lobby uh, the, the, the two members of the Democratic Party who typically come on this program, Ro Khanna and uh, Mark Pocan, for that. But I don't think we need to lobby them. They're, they're you know, very aware of yeah. it. But you said it best calling it election fraud because that's exactly what the Russian oligarchs are being charged with 
that have aided uh, Donald Trump. Isn't that correct? No, I don't. I don't think that election fraud was the exact phrase, but I, I think it was a conspiracy to deprive Americans of the right to vote or something like that. Okay. But yeah, it's it's functionally election fraud. And that's that's the thing. We need to get this meme out there everywhere and all the time. And I'm as guilty as anybody of not doing it. And thank you for the reminder, Steve, because I need to do it more often. Steve, I need to move along. But right. thank you for the call. I appreciate it. The assault on America by the billionaire class rolls on. Scott Walker, this is from the uh, Center for Media and Democracy. Uh, they just published a new report titled Alec Exposed Wisconsin, the Hijacking of a State. And they point out that Scott Walker has signed into law 19 bills or budget provisions with Alec content. You know, the American Legislative Exchange Council, of course, funded by the uh, by the Kochs. So there's that. Back to voter suppression. I mentioned that by 2016, they had really fine-tuned this thing. So the New York Times noted that in Washington, around 300,000 registered voters were turned away at the polls right after uh, Scott Walker's new ID law because they didn't have the kind of ID that uh, was needed. According to the New York Times in Texas, the number was 900,000. Greg Pallas doing these lawsuits. If you go to his site, gregpallas.com, you can see this. This is what Greg has come up with just so far. And he's literally, the only way you can get these numbers is to sue these Republican secretaries of state, which he has done. He's sued like 30 states and, and they're starting to come in. In Nevada, in the Democratic parts of Nevada, 90,000 people have lost their right to vote. In Colorado, it's 769. This is just in the last year. 769,436 voters purged in Colorado. In Georgia, 340,134 voters purged. In Illinois, 550,000 voters purged. There's a large but uncounted list in Nebraska. These are all on Greg's website, every single name. And in Indiana, Mike Pence's state, 469,000 voters purged. This is now the single strategy, essentially, that the Republicans are using is voter purges. And if it wasn't for these voter purges, George W. Bush never would have been president. If it wasn't for voter purges in Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, Donald Trump would never be president. We would have seven liberal justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. And we would have had President Al Gore and, and President Hillary Clinton. So voter purges have brought us some real hell. By the way, final rant, and then I'm going to pick up your phone calls here. Uh, Nikki Haley, this is getting real interesting. Nikki Haley drafted her resignation letter on the morning of October 3rd. She was our ambassador to the United Nations and was one of the few people in the Trump administration who was actually in regular contact with our intelligence agencies. Right. I mean, Trump doesn't take that stuff seriously. He gets his, quote, intelligence from Fox News. In fact, he doesn't even take presidential daily briefings any longer. He's the first president not to do this since the whole thing was created, I believe, during the Eisenhower administration. Actually, it was probably during the war, during the FDR administration. Trump doesn't even take them. But Nikki Haley does or did. So on October 2nd, Khashoggi was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Turkey. The next morning, Nikki Haley presumably knows about it and writes her resignation letter. She sees the handwriting on the wall, in my humble opinion, and submits that letter to, to Donald Trump. It was a full week later before it was the 10th of October before there was any reporting on this. And by that time, Nikki Haley was out. You think there's a if this, then that? 
Ninja over at Democratic Underground posted this along with a uh, link to a, uh, a tweet relevant to this. So anyhow, a lot on our plate here today, a lot on the agenda and a lot of news that we're going to get to as we continue. Sheila in Talent, Oregon. Hey, Sheila, what's on your mind? Oh, you brought it up this morning, something I was actually going to call you about, which was Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the timeline, Khashoggi disappeared on the 2nd. I didn't know about her drafting the letter on the 3rd, but the uh, Washington Post released the story on the 4th. And it's obvious to me that I think this is a straw. I don't believe the other reasons that people come up with with why she quit. Mm-hmm. I looked at her face when she was sitting next to Reagan and her smart shell was tired and haggard. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Still hate Reagan. But um, I truly think that uh, we know that the uh, ambassadors at the UN would have had to have had this information from Turkey as soon as they felt so it was in the early days. Oh, we had to have this information days. from the NSA yeah. within minutes. Right. She would have had. She would have known this. I think she would have wanted to speak to it. I think she would have wanted to call out Saudi on it. Um, I don't like her. She'd never have my vote. But as a Republican, she's probably one of the few with some integrity left. I don't think she disliked this job. I think she liked it, and I think she saw herself as someone who could keep the Boltons out of the United Nations on our side. Yeah, I am guessing that she got the intelligence. This is, again, just like my conspiracy theory on the caravan. Here's how I'm imagining it happened is she gets the intelligence and realizes that Saudi Arabia has committed a heinous crime and it's going to blow up at everybody's faces. She's, she's a politician. She knows what the consequences of killing a Washington Post reporter will be. She goes to the Trump administration or to John Kelly or even Donald and says, holy cow, here's what's going on. And they say, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to back Saudi Arabia no matter what. And at that point, being a smart politician, and she is, you don't get to be governor of South Carolina by being a bump on a log, you know. She is one smart cookie. And she just saw the handwriting on the wall. She said, that's it, I'm out of here. I think you're right. I think it was the straw of the line she couldn't, she couldn't cross. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so too, Sheila. Thank you. And my guess is it wasn't that she couldn't cross it because of the morality of it. My guess is she knew that the political damage was going to be so consequential, and she was going to be the, the, the one who was going to take the fall for it as the ambassador of the United Nations. And so she wanted to get out of that. That's my guess. But anyhow, Sheila, thank you for the call. We were talking at length about voter suppression, exactly what's going on, where it's going on, how it's going on. And now we're seeing also the Trumpification of our politics and the Trumpification of our media. There's a new right-wing website out. It's being run by Patrick Howley, a guy who was a regular guest. I used to debate him all the time. He was a guest on my TV show in in Washington, D.C. And he's running this, this website that is even weirder, even more out there than Breitbart. And they're literally making stuff up. Like one of the reporters was uh, assaulted at an Antifa riot, right? No such thing. I mean, you know, it's literally making this stuff up. Where did this all start? Well, you know, there actually is a backstory here. Kevin Rudd, who was the uh, the equivalent of the president of Australia. He was the prime minister of Australia back some years ago with the, the last labor government. Kevin Rudd, the former prime minister, wrote a piece, and the title of it is Cancer Eating the Heart of Australian Democracy. 
And he opens up by saying, you know, Australian politics has become vicious, toxic, and unstable. The core question is, why? Why? And then he gets right to the answer. He says, at the top of it all has been Rupert Murdoch, the greatest cancer on the Australian democracy. This is the former prime minister saying this. He writes, Murdoch is not just a news organization. Murdoch operates as a political party acting in pursuit of clearly defined commercial interests in addition to his far-right ideological worldview. In Britain, Murdoch made Brexit possible because of the position taken by his newspapers. In the United States, Murdoch's Fox News is the political echo chamber of the far-right, which enabled the Tea Party and then the Trump Party to stage a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. In Australia, as in America, Murdoch has campaigned for decades in support of tax cuts for the rich, killing action on climate change, and destroying anything approximating multiculturalism. What's unique about Australia, former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd writes, is that Murdoch owns two-thirds of our country's print media. No other democracy has anything approaching his effective media monopoly. Again, the former prime minister, the, the Australian equivalent of president, the former prime minister of Australia, Kevin Rudd, writes, Murdoch is also a political bully and a thug who for many years has hired bullies as his editors. The message to Australian politicians is clear. Either toe the line on what Murdoch wants or he kills you politically. This has produced a cowering, fearful political culture across the country. Is not Fox News doing the exact same thing? which Murdoch owns, they have created this monster of Trump. They promote Trumpism. They promote xenophobia. They promote fear. They promote conspiracy theories. They promote hatred as a political weapon. They promote the idea that there are, you know, uh, uh, illegal voters out there, that there's voter fraud. Right, over a billion votes were counted in, in a major study, a university study, they found 31 instances of people voting illegally, in quotes. And only two of those were people pretending they were somebody else. And none of them were Hispanic. Actually, there were a couple, but they were, they were, it wasn't that they were Hispanic, it was that they were ex-felons that was why they were voting, quote, illegally. So what, you, what, what we have here are you know, campaigns of fear and lies being promoted by right-wing media, and the right-wing media is getting even farther to the right. And then we hear this absolute BS on networks like CNN and MSNBC. Well, actually, on CNN, I heard, I heard it uh, twice yesterday, where, the, where, where somebody was talking about, well, you know, you got the far right on Fox, and you got the far left on MSNBC telling lies. Really? I mean, there's an entire website, MediaMatters.org, devoted to, and uh, FoxHounds.us is, is it FoxHounds? NewsHounds. NewsHounds.us. Uh, that, you know, we watch Fox so you don't have to. That are devoted to, literally to daily debunking the lies on Fox News. Do you know of any website that does that for MSNBC? Can you identify one lie about the Republicans? that has been promoted on MSNBC. I mean, I can, I can complain about their, their sins of omission. They don't talk about, for example, net neutrality because they're owned by Comcast. They don't talk about corporate mergers and, and uh, you know, the, the power of wealth because, hey, they are the power of wealth. But they don't lie. 
Over on Fox, they actually lie. And then CNN comes along and goes, well, you got the far left on MSNBC and the far right on Fox. I'm sorry, that's a false equivalence. It's a completely false equivalence. And I'm not somebody who typically defends MSNBC, as you well know. But this is, I mean, this is what it has come to. And I think Kevin Rudd has nailed it. I think Rupert Murdoch poisoned the politics of Australia. Then he left Australia and went to the United Kingdom where he set up shop and he poisoned the politics of the United Kingdom and brought us conservative rule in the, in the United Kingdom. And then he moved to the United States and poisoned the political discourse in the United States and took over the Republican Party. And excuse me, and frankly, it seems to me now that the Republican Party is being run by Rupert Murdoch. I mean, you know, in, in, in uh, I mean, Bill Shine, the guy is now the White House communications director. He was forced out of Fox News over by the Me Too movement for his sexual predatory behavior. But he's obviously still, you know, hot tied into, into Fox News. And, the, you know, the Fox News, it's just like, it's, it's like state television, except it's not state television. It's billionaire television. You've got the billionaire media in Australia, Rupert Murdoch. You've got the billionaire media in the United Kingdom. They own the Times of London, Rupert Murdoch. And you've got now the billionaire media in the United States. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I went through uh, uh, an airport last week. And uh, in the United Clubs, the only newspaper that they, get, they used to give away, you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Financial Times, and the Wall Street Journal. Now it's all Wall Street Journal. Nothing but. And I'm convinced that, you know, Murdoch is no dummy. He's, he, he knows giving away free media is a great way to get people to, to use it, to think like that. He did this with Fox News. Fox News, you know, you can't get MSNBC on basic cable. You have to pay an extra fee to get MSNBC, typically five bucks a month. But it varies depending on the package and the, and the cable provider that you have or the satellite provider that you have. You have to pay extra for MSNBC. Fox is free. And this has poisoned our political discourse in this country. And the question is, you know, how do you do something about this when what you're talking about is the media, which is like this First Amendment sacred thing? I don't want to get into the, into the business of defining what is and isn't the media. Google has already done it, right? They, they don't spider alternate any longer because they say, oh, it's not the media. They talk about Republican fascism. And so you can't, you know, search for articles there. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We've got a serious problem here with the billionaire takeover of our media and the billionaire takeover, basically, of the Republican Party. What do we do about it? Riduzone. If you struggle to lose weight, listen carefully. Riduzone works. I've never before endorsed a weight loss product, but I've seen the result firsthand with my brilliant wife, Louise, who, like so many, has had her share of diet frustrations. Losing weight is hard, right? Louise heard about Riduzone. She did her homework, learned it's FDA accepted, and that it helps us lose weight in a revolutionary way. Riduzone comes out of university research that discovered a molecule that helps regulate appetite. When it's out of whack, we're always hungry and crave foods we shouldn't eat. And good luck losing weight when you're already starving on day one. Louise tried Riduzone. She looks amazing. And I've never, never seen her this excited about a weight loss product. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, 
get non-prescription Riduzone. Go to tryriduzone.com and use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to receive up to 65% off on your order and free shipping. That's tryriduzone.com, promo code TOM. Check in with Bob Nay with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. The report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen Ratner's new book, Loving What You Do. Speaking of books, Bob is also the author of Sideswiped. And uh, Bob, Congressman, welcome back. Well, thank you, Tom. So what's at the top of the news today? Well, at the top of the news is full nakedness, and that is coming from the president of Turkey. That's what he's going to uh, be calling what he's going to speak about at the press conference. He's giving the issues and the details of Jamal Khashoggi's death, and he said it's going to be full nakedness with you know, gruesome details to it. So I'm sure even more than we've heard is going to come out. And this Before is going to be in his uh, speech to uh, the Turkish uh, version of parliament tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow will be like probably, what, two, three, four o'clock in the morning our time. So we should know all this by tomorrow morning's news cycle. Oh, yes, uh, you're right. We should. And, uh, and, and it's important, you know, people have asked me today, well, what do we think the accuracy of it is? Well, let's just say it this way. Everything they have said has been accurate so far anyway, yeah. the Turkish government. And, you know, some people say, well, uh, maybe they're spinning things. No, they aren't. They've been accurate. There's no reason to not believe this is not going to be accurate. The Saudis have uh, made some absolutely bizarre, absurd statements. A fistfight, you know, started. And um, also, they found... With 15 paid assassins. <laughs> 15 professional assassins, and you're going to have a fistfight fist fight with them? Really? Yeah, right. And and they cut all his fingers off. And then they said, you know, he, he had his fistfight. I mean, it's so gruesome. It, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And um, they had a man who looked like him that they put into, we know this now, into his clothes and had him walk out and taped it as if he was leaving. They were going to use that, and then that got, you know, that was found out by the Turkish authorities. Right, a body double. Right. Now, meanwhile, uh, Jared Kushner has been communicating with MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, and he's telling him, be transparent. I, I can't say that the president is backtracking, but obviously they're starting to make statements that, you know, uh, are talking about some lies and deception, but still defending the crown prince. And some issues are coming out and some stories about Norm Coleman, the former senator who's doing lobbying for Saudi Arabia. And so a lot of, of numbers and money that the Saudis have spent is coming out. Now, Norm Coleman is attached to a PAC that is uh, supported by Speaker Ryan. So of you course, see, you know, some of the, of the money. What do, you, what do you think of this conspiracy theory that's been floated that, you know, the murder happened on October 2nd by the night of October 2nd? Uh, you know, uh, it, it would have happened in uh, very, very early in the morning, our time on October 2nd. Um, so by the end of that day, our intelligence agencies knew what was going on, you know, both from direct knowledge and probably from, via Turkish uh, intelligence. And the very next morning, Nikki Haley sat down and wrote her letter of resignation. Um, do you think that it's possible that she, I mean, she pays attention to the intelligence. Uh, Trump doesn't get his intelligence briefings anymore from the CIA. He has no interest in them. He instead watches Fox News. But Nikki Haley actually reads the intelligence briefings. 
Do you think that she went or it's possible that she went to the Trump administration, whether it was Donald himself or whether it was, you know, Bolton or somebody like that and said, hey, this is going on. This is going to blow up in our faces. This is really grody. I don't want to have anything to do with this and we need to get ahead of this. And they said, oh, no, no, we're going to be just fine. We're going to we're going to protect the Saudis. They'll they'll cover this up. Don't worry. And at that point, being the very, very smart politician that she is, Nikki Haley said, OK, I'm I'm getting the hell out of here. Well, you know, Tom, there's no doubt that Nikki Haley has some sights on the White House down the road, and there's no doubt that people would like to see her on the Republican side, you know, to run, obviously, uh, for president. I think that it's very possible what you just said, combined with the fact of John Bolton. And I also believe uh, some of the theory that she knows that John Bolton was attempting to begin a war with Iran. And if you look at the president's statements, well, we need Saudi Arabia to fight Iran. No, yeah. we don't. We don't need Saudi Arabia can't even fight its way out of, out of a wet paper bag. They can bomb, you know, kids in other countries, but they can't um, uh, fight. So we don't need them to do that. I think that's part of it. She may have had access to this information also, and just became tired of the whole scenario. Because you have to look at something. Look at what the president said when he mentioned this might be rogue. He used the rogue, the word rogue before Saudi Arabia used right. the word rogue. And, you know, she had access to this, this information. It might have been the straw you know, just set her over the edge uh, to, to get out. And I think Bolton is a big key factor in this. He's a key factor with the, the deal going on right now with Russia mm. and the agreement. So I, I think anywhere you go, you're going to see naturally you know, his, his fingerprints. Yeah. And with the Saudis, they're close. There's a business relationship. Jared Kushner has been on the phone constantly. I am predicting that some of the people that have now been arrested will confess that the crown prince and the, and the royal family had nothing to do with this, which is, I think, a complete lie, nothing to do with it, then those people will be beheaded. Why would they confess? Because there's threats to kill their own family. This thing, it's Saudi Arabia, the royal family, it's going way deeper. Business connections, you know, Kushner, the entire nine yards. But the use of the word rogue before the Saudis used it, I thought, was kind of a coordination. Yeah. And weren't, weren't, wasn't the Kushner family bailed out by Arab money? I'm, I'm not sure it was Saudi. I, th I thought it was from uh, the UAE, but it's basically it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yes, and Doha refused them, and then Jamal Khashoggi got in trouble for bad-mouthing the president, and Kushners are involved in business. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. Well, that's right. That's, that's right. You, 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 you informed me about that last week, that Khashoggi had to right. leave Saudi Arabia because he banned about Trump, not the, not the Saudis. That's right. Yeah. Not the House of Saudis. Amazing. Bob Nay with Talk Media News, author of Sideswipe. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tom. Hey, thanks so much for your support for the Tom Hartman program. We deliver our program, of course, to commercial stations, which is how we pay our bills. Uh, through the revenue from running advertising, and you can learn more about those at our website at TomHartman.com. But we also share our program with non-commercial outlets, from Free Speech TV to Pacifica stations all over the country. And because with the Pacifica radio stations, there's basically no revenue coming in, the way that we support our nonprofit outreach is in large part through Patreon. People who support our program at patreon.com slash Tom Hartman get special little clips and there's a few other goodies, uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff. But that's principally, if you want to support the Tom Hartman program, um, that's the way to do it is to get over to patreon.com slash Tom Hartman and check out what we're doing and support our program. Thank you. Jim in Los Angeles. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today? 
Professor Hartman, we need to focus. I have some hope and some solutions. The main thing is getting the votes counted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't understand how they legally do that. Is there a Democrat and a Republican counting the votes? It varies from state to state. Yes, well... I think the uh, the only hope is the next generation. Yeah. And next gen is Tom Steyer because Tom, there's Sean Insanity zombies. There are the Fox Nixon news watchers that believe everything, and they all vote, and we don't often. And we have to win back the House and the Senate and the states. And I. I think we can. I think there's a tidal wave coming, Tom. I think it's a blue tidal wave that's going to wash over this land. And I hope it starts now. I hope all your listeners get out there and kick butt. And and I believe in the next generation. I do, too, Jim. And and I am very, very hopeful. I, I am seeing all these signs that people are waking up. People are reacting in positive and appropriate ways. But whether it's going to hold, whether it's going to stick, whether it's going to work, whether it's whether the voter suppression is too well entrenched, I don't know. Harold in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it looks like you're skeptical about the blue wave. Yes, I am. And I'm a Democrat, a lifetime Democrat, and I've just been watching the Wisconsin race here for governor, Mm -hmm. Tony Evers, who is running against Walker, was about eight to ten points ahead. And now, in the last couple of weeks, you can see the Coke money coming in and running all these ads against all these Democratic candidates. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, they are awful ads. I mean, you would think they murdered part of their families, the Democrats. Those are the kind of ads we have. And the governor's race is now, it's a nip and tuck situation. Yeah. And, you know, the money will not stop. The Democrats cannot compete with the money that's coming in on the Republican side. The same with Baldwin in the Senate. It's getting closer and closer, and she had a white margin also a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. yeah, and this makes me crazy that the media is largely ignoring the fact that the Koch brothers and their buddies dedicated $300 million to this election cycle. And that money, if we look at the past, you know, that money is coming in right now. It, it always comes in in October or much of it. And Harold, thank you for the call. It does concern me too, between the evil, I mean, some of these ads are just like filled with lies, and then the voter suppression. It's incredible. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen, and boom, you just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But as we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Super Beets by Human N has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. The core philosophy of Human N is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Super Beats daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real. We're talking healthy, natural energy. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the one plus one equals boom effect of Super Beats. 
Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. Our geeky science for the day, just a real quick one here. The insect collapse study. This is Joe Rahm writing over at Think Progress. He's one of the science guys there. Disturbing new study finds that global warming helped drive as much as a 60-fold decline. That would be six times is 600%, 60 times is 6,000% loss of insects in Puerto Rico's tropical rainforest between 1976 and 2013. That forest saw a 3.6 degree Fahrenheit warming during that time. It's wiped out their insect population. Similarly, in Europe, a Dutch study, 2017 Dutch study, found that three-fourths of the entire insect population was lost in 63 forests in Germany. In 2017, researchers reported a 76% decline in flying insects in Germany. They note cold-blooded creatures such as insects living in tropical climates are particularly vulnerable to climate warming since they're adapted to relatively stable year-round temperatures. And of course, when the insects go, the study found synchronous declines in the lizards, frogs, and birds that eat the insects. Climate warming is the driving force behind the collapse of the forest's food web. They found the same thing in the deserts of western Mexico. We've been talking on this program for years now about how long-haul truckers and people who drive across the country, and well, for that matter, just you know, people who drive, <laughs> noticing that 20 years ago, the windshield was covered with bugs. Now, no bugs. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for life on this planet. Professor Richard Wolff is with us. He is the economist, co-founder of Democracy at Work, the author most recently of Capitalism's Crisis Deepens, essays on the global economic meltdown. Our old buddy, democracyatwork.info and rdwolf with two fs.com are the websites. So you can tweet him at Prof. Wolf. Professor Wolf, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. It's great having you with us. You know, the tax scam, the GOP tax scam that has, you know, jacked our budget deficits so far by one and a half trillion. I believe the total impact of this over a decade is six trillion dollars. I remember either five or six from when it was first rolled out. People are looking at this going, well, maybe we should reverse this. Democrats are saying if we get into power, we would reverse it. But George W. Bush did the same thing. And I understand that had George W. Bush never done his tax scam, had Donald Trump never done his tax scam, and had George W. Bush not lied us into the war in Iraq and started the war in Afghanistan, we would have paid down the national debt basically by now because Clinton handed off surplus budgets in 2000, which kind of all, A, please reality check that, but B, it all kind of raises the question, what if we went all the way back to Reagan, which was the original GOP tax scam? He came into office, the top tax rate, top marginal tax rate was 74%. I believe the corporate rate at that time was around 35 or 40%. Dropped it down to 25% famously and floated back up from there. But what if we were to roll back all three of these Republican administration's tax scams and go back to a tax rate that brought us the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, which were the three most prosperous decades for the middle class, literally in the history of the United States. What do you think? I think the idea is fine. I don't know how fast one would do that. Unfortunately, when a government is run by people whose political program comes down to buying the financial support of corporations and the rich by giving them periodic enormous tax cuts, and that's really what went on. By the time you're done, when you do those kinds of tax cuts, the only way the government can keep functioning, 
everything from the military to social security and everything else, the only way the government can function if it gives away the taxes from corporations and the rich is if it borrows the money that it's no longer raising in taxes from them. The horrible irony of it all is that a good part of what the government borrows when it gives tax cuts to corporations and the rich is money lent to the government by corporations and the rich who are lending to the government the money they didn't have to pay in taxes. And the absurdity of that and the injustice of that ought to grate on every American citizen. But only part is handled that way. A large number of pension funds lend money to the government. A large number of American citizens have put away their savings, their retirement. And those people have to be in some way kept harmless in what we do, since they just cashed in on the little bit that was available for them as part of it. So I like your idea. I think it's long overdue, but it would have to be done probably with some gradualism and some care built in so it doesn't inadvertently hurt the people who bear no responsibility for the awfulness of the whole process. Yeah. In regard to that, I had a guy call in last week and say that uh, he was making a little over 120 grand a year and he had seen about $1,000 extra in his paycheck as a result of the Republican tax cut. And he's like, you know, why shouldn't I be happy about this? And I suggested to him that the employment market, the labor market, for people who don't have control over their own income, which is like the bottom 99% of us, that that labor market is based not on pre-tax income, but on post-tax income. In other words, the employers out there who are hiring people in particular job categories and particular labor markets know what someone's willing to work for after taxes. So if he's making 110 and he's, and he's actually taking home 80, his employer knows he's willing to work for 80. So if he gets a massive tax cut and suddenly he's making 90, his employer is going, hey, I can find somebody who will do this job for 80. You would do it for 80 before. And so he lays the guy off or fires him and replaces, you know, basically the wage comes back down again so that the take-home pay is still the same. On the other hand, if he had a massive tax increase and suddenly he was only taking home $60,000 a year and was starting to look around for another job or something like that, his employer would have to raise his income in order to get him back to that you know, same level, which is why in Denmark, the minimum wage is, well, I think it's $24 an hour because the, you know, the average tax rate on working people is in the 30s, 30 to 40%. And it's also why if you go back to, I've looked at tax tables going back to 1900, and it sure looks to me like if you look at three and five year windows, as taxes on working people go up, wages go up. As taxes on working people go down, wages go down. With regard to the very top, though, when taxes go down, they get more money. When taxes go up, they get less money. Is that a reasonable and accurate analysis, or am I just out here blowing hot air into the wind? No, no, no. You're bringing up something that is quite valid, and it is unfortunately very poorly understood in the larger population. But if I could speak for a moment to what your caller said, there is no way to nail down in any definitive way whether a wage increase that he may have gotten, say, over the last uh, eight months since the tax cut of 2017 took effect was because of the tax cut as opposed to 25 other possible reasons that led that employer to raise his wage. The employer might say something like, 
I'm sure with you what I got as a tax cut, but both the Bloomberg Service, the Financial Times, half a dozen agencies have now studied what corporations did across the board with the tax cut money. And their conclusions were very few, somewhere between three and five percent of American workers got any portion of that tax cut. It was overwhelmingly used for stock buybacks, that's when companies buy back their shares in the market, to raise dividends to shareholders and to raise pay packages for top executives, which corporations are free to do and which is what they in fact did. All the talk about how it would end up helping workers' wages, that's just the same old trickle-down nonsense that if we give a tax cut to corporations and rich, somehow it's going to find its way into average people's pockets. That is very rarely true, and the statistics are now in that it has not been the case with the tax cut of December 2017. Yeah, and he was asserting that his taxes were $1,000 lower, thus he had $1,000 a year more in his pocket. But I've also seen numbers that, I just saw this a couple days ago, that suggested that while the average income, the average wage in the United States is around 44000 right now, the median wage in the United States, in other words, half above, half below, is only $33,200. And the reason for that difference is that the average includes all these people who are making literally millions and millions of dollars at the very, very top of the wage scale. But that's not that many people. It's just a hell of a lot of money. And so the median is actually a reflection of what most people in America are earning, which is in the low 30s. And is that accurate? Absolutely. And let me quote to you a wonderful piece of statistical work done by the Economic Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. They divided wages into high, medium, and low. And they asked the question, how have these three parts of the wage distribution done between 1980 and now? And what they show, which is startling, is that the low-wage people are actually worse off, if you adjust for prices, as all of these numbers do, they are worse off now. They can afford less out of their weekly wage than they could 30 years ago, in 1980, roughly. The middle group is just slightly above, maybe three or four percentages above now what they were back in 1980, 38 years ago. Only the high-wage people saw an appreciable increase in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 percent, which means that over the last 30 years, the middle and the bottom, which is more than 50 percent, went absolutely nowhere or shrank in terms of what they were getting for the labor effort they put out. Only those at the top and particularly because of the very top, as you just noted, were able to do better. And that's a large explanation for the political divide we have, for the rage in the population that watches the so-called wealth effect or the recovery that seems forever to pass them by. 
They're right. It has passed them by, but the whole last 30 years have passed them by. They've gotten no wage increases, the vast majority. Meanwhile, their productivity, what they do for their employer, has gone up, and therein lies the explanation for growing inequality. The people who do the work are stagnant, and the people who get the fruits of the work are gathering and accumulating wealth producing the kinds of divisions that are roiling our culture and our politics. Yeah, and we talk about average wages instead of median wages because we're just economically ignorant. It disguises ignorant. all of that. Yeah, it disguises it. There you go. That's very well said. So we'll see how this all shakes out. It's just a remarkable time, and rolling back the Republican tax scam seems like a really, really good idea. Richard Wolf, Professor Richard Wolf, the co-founder of Democracy at Work. Democracyatwork.info is the website, rdwolf with two fs.com, his website, and you can tweet him at Prof Wolf. Professor Wolf, thank you so much for dropping by today. Thank you, Tom. Talk I to you in the future. Thank you. I look forward to it. I always learn from you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Skip in Ashfield, Massachusetts. Hey, Skip, what's up? Listen, I was getting a little upset about how many votes are being stolen. I was thinking that voting might not be enough with all the lost votes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we always talked about a revolution would be when the poor and the rich difference became really great. And it seems like it's pretty big now. Yep. And is it time now? <laughs> well, I think, I think you're watching a political revolution, which is what Bernie always very carefully used that phrase. Um, right, a, right. A, a shooting revolution or a secession kind of revolution would be extremely counterproductive. I'm thinking more like money boycott, because they take the money we give them and fight us. Yeah, except that, you know, most of the products that, for example, Coke Industries or the Coke Brothers own don't have the word Coke anywhere on them. You'd have to walk around with a giant shopping list. And even then, go ahead. Yeah, I looked that up once. Yeah. And like every fabric. Oh, I know. And every insulation and all your coats and all the cool max materials, all that stuff is them. But right. I mean, yeah. there's got to be a way. Just buy cotton, you know. Well, you know, yeah, except... Typically, boycotts don't work, and, and the reason why is because people have to live and they've got to spend money and don't spend that much time you know, being focused on these things. That's why rather than putting all of our efforts into an economic boycott, I think we need to be putting all of our efforts into voting registration drives and get-out-the-vote activities, and we need to get a bunch of Democrats elected who can pass some laws that will undo all this voter suppression. Skip, thanks for the call. I mean, it is a, t it, you know, the, when does the revolution come, as it were, the political revolution? It's a good conversation. It's a good question. Let's have it after the election. We'll have a better handle on it. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport and despair is not an option. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.